Hello, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Here we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether you find the message to be uplifting or challenging, comforting or even unsettling, we hope it'll help you grow in faith and your relationship with God. Thank you for listening. To God be the glory. Good morning. The first reading is from Genesis 15, 1 through 12 and 17 and 18. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision, said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings? Which I don't even have a son. Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant of my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own. So one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure it will actually possess it? Lord told him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So Abram presented all these things to him and killed them. Then he caught each animal down the middle and laid the halves side by side. He did, he did not have her cut the birds in half. Some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, but Abram chased them away. As the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a terrifying darkness came down over him. After the sun went down and the darkness fell, Abram saw a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between the halves of the carcasses. So the Lord made a covenant with Abram in that day and said, I've given this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River. Here ends the reading. The second reading is from Philippians 3.17 through 4.1. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, there are many whose conduct shows they're really enemies of the cross of Christ. They're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. They think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies, change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you. Dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I received for my work. Here ends the reading. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. 
Our Holy Gospel this morning comes from Luke, the 13th chapter. At that time, some Pharisees said to Jesus, Get away from here if you want to live. Herod Antipas wants to kill you. Jesus replied, Go tell that fox that I will keep on casting out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will accomplish my purpose. Yes, today, tomorrow, and the next day I must proceed on my way, for it wouldn't do for a prophet of God to be killed except in Jerusalem. O oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers, how often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. And now look, your house is abandoned, and you will never see me again until you say blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Here ends the reading. You may be seated. Grace to you and peace from God, our Creator, Jesus, our Savior, and the Holy Spirit, who inspires us all. Amen. So I'm guessing most of us want to live a good life, right? So we work at healthy eating and exercise. We invest in building strong relationships with others. We hope to make an impact in the world, we want to grow in living out our Christian faith. Yes, we all want to live a good life. But have you ever considered becoming a student of what it takes to have a good death? Author and speaker Katie Butler has made it her life's work to teach people about what you can do to help enable having a good death. Her interest in the topic came from watching her father die a slow and painful death after he had a debilitating stroke. She knew that that was not the kind of death he would have wanted, and she knew it's not the kind of death that she wants either. Recently, she wrote an article for the San Francisco Chronicle where she admitted that even though she's a healthy, vibrant 70-year-old, she knows that somewhere beyond the horizon, death has saddled up its horse and is riding in her direction. And when the time comes, she says she wants to have a good death. So she started researching, interviewing people. And through her research, Butler offers insights about what might enable you to have a good death. The first thing she says is to have a vision of what a good death would look like for you and then just work backwards from there. It's important to ponder questions like, what would it take for you to be at peace when you die? What unfinished business is there for you to take care of? Who are the people that you would like to have surrounding you at the time of your death? For those who have been diagnosed with a terminal illness, Butler says, find a doctor who's willing to ask you the question, what are you hoping to accomplish with the time you have left? Look for a doctor who will help you evaluate the quality of life and not just focus on the quantity of life. 
Butler also lifts up what she has learned from people who work at hospice about the five emotional tasks that help facilitate a good death. These tasks, as you gather the people that you love around you, the tasks are to say thank you, I love you, please forgive me, I forgive you, and finally to say goodbye. A good death often means getting really honest and at times being vulnerable with those we love. It means talking openly about the fact that we are dying. It's powerful stuff. As I read our gospel today, it occurred to me that the idea of a good death might have resonated with Jesus. In this passage from Luke and in many other places in the gospel, Jesus clearly and openly talks about his death. But Jesus wasn't just waiting for death to saddle up its horse and ride in his direction. Jesus was intentionally and purposefully walking to meet his death at a cross in Jerusalem. Now, if part of having a good death means having a vision and a clear sense of what you want to accomplish, as Katie Butler writes about, then it seems that Jesus was right on track. He has a crystal clear vision of what he wants to accomplish and says so in our gospel today. Today and tomorrow, Jesus says, I am performing cures and casting out demons, and on the third day, I will finish my work. Jesus knows what he wants to accomplish before he dies, and no threat from Herod or anyone else is going to get in his way. Of course, Jesus wasn't only all about the tasks to be accomplished. He was also aware of the importance of honesty and vulnerability. In the passage from Luke, Jesus laments over Jerusalem. He cries out. He reveals his, the rawness of his heart that is full of grief as he longs to love and care for a people who will reject him. As we read the gospel, we know that there's lots of tender, vulnerable times that Jesus has with his followers. When he shared the Last Supper with his disciples, and then when he washed their feet, when he asked them to be with him as he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, even when Jesus was on the cross, he asked one of his disciples if he would take Jesus' mother into his home to care for her. Well, according to Katie Butler's metrics, Jesus is well on his way to experiencing a good death. He has a clear vision and a sense of what he wants to accomplish. He's openly talking about his death. He's gathering his loved ones around him and sharing his vulnerability and his deepest longings. But there's one thing about Jesus' death that will make it good that Katie Butler does not touch on. And that is that Jesus will have a good death because his death is for the sake of others, for our sake. Jesus died a good death so that we might have a good life, abundant life, Jesus says, eternal life, Jesus says. Well, back to the vulnerability. 
Perhaps the most vulnerable image we have of Jesus in all of Scripture is the one he uses in our passage today. When Jesus is told that Herod wants to kill him, Jesus refers to Herod as a fox. And then when Jesus laments over Jerusalem, he refers to himself as a mother hen who longs to gather her chicks under her wings to protect them. I mean, what could be more vulnerable than a mother hen with her wings stretched out trying to protect her chicks from the jaws of a hungry fox? Maybe Jesus uses that image to prepare us, to get us ready to see Jesus with his mother hen arms stretched out on a cross, protecting us from the jaws of sin and death. Well, in her article on good death, Katie Butler tells the story of a woman named Kathy who was raised by a violent, alcoholic mother. Kathy had no memory of ever hearing her mother say, I love you. Well, when Kathy was in her 40s, her mother lay dying of cancer in a hospital in Boston. Over the phone, the mother told the daughter, don't come, I don't want to see you. Kathy got on a plane anyway. She walked into the hospital room to see a tiny figure curled up in bed, shrunken, bald, bronzed by jaundice. Well, during their last moments together, the mother said aloud, I love you and I'm sorry. The daughter replied, I love you and I'm sorry. Those few moments, Kathy said, cleared up a lifetime of misunderstanding each other. And it began a journey of healing for Kathy. And perhaps that moment of vulnerability and honesty allowed her mother to have a good death. It would seem Jesus is headed for a good, de good death but for our sake, not his. His arms spread on the cross reveal to us an eternal I love you and I forgive you, even before we are able to utter our confession of I'm sorry. The good death of Jesus offers us grace even when we are not willing to be gathered under his mother hen wings, even when we resist our need for a savior and insist on going our own way, even when we refuse to be vulnerable or to even care for each other, his good death redeems us. Because if we're honest, we know that somewhere beyond the horizon, death has saddled up its horse and is riding in our direction. Because of his good death, Jesus has promised that our death will also be good. Because in the end, we will belong to him. It will be good because we will belong to him. We will be gathered under his mothering wings, and the hungry jaws of death will have no power over us. And that is good news.
Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Please browse our website for other opportunities to grow in faith or serve the Lord. If you are able to worship with us at any time, we would be most honored by your presence.